Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. Just one verse of scripture this morning. The Bible says, From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bear in my body the marks of of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sister Michelle, I didn't ask you ahead of time, but I feel led this morning. I want you to come back up here with your mic. Before I preach to you this morning, I want Michelle to pray over us. I want her to pray over this service, over what we're fixing to say. God's already here. I sense his presence already in this house. But what I'm asking and believing and trusting God to do is that he will show up in your life in a more intimate way that you in your walk with God will become more defined than it ever has been before than it ever has been before you may be here this morning and you're struggling you may be here this morning and you're straddling the fence so to speak well I believe that God is here this morning to help us to get on one side or the other right that's what we got to make that decision we got to get on one side or the other and so God help us to be more defined and who we are as God's people. Pray with Sister Michelle this morning. Go ahead, Sister. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord Jesus, first and foremost, for the privilege to be here in this place, to honor you, to lift you up, oh God. It's such a privilege that we take for granted, oh God. Lord, I pray that you would be with us. God, that you would open our hearts and open our minds. Yes, Lord. Open our lives to you, oh God. Yes, Lord. They're full of stuff, oh God. Yes, Lord. And we need them to be full of you, oh God. Move aside any hindrance, Lord. I know that's asking a lot, oh God, because some of them mean so much to us. But God, I ask that you would remove every hindrance. Take it away, Lord. God, that you would give us a desire for you like we've never had before. Lord, that we wouldn't want to just come into this place and hear somebody sing or hear somebody play or hear a favorite song. But God, that we would want to come to you, Lord Jesus, overflowing from where we've been all week long. God, strengthen our lives, strengthen our hearts and our desire for you. Let, let this not be the only place that we call on your name, oh God. God, help us, forgive us if this is the only place we call on your name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We need you. We need you like we've never needed you, oh God. And it's our desire for you to fill this place. It's our desire for you to fill our lives with your presence, oh God. Fill us up, God. And overflow. Let us stand and be who you called us to be. Let us stand and be who you made us to be. 
Yes, Lord. Who we've become in you, oh God. Yes, Lord. No more wallowing in our fear. No more wallowing in our self-pity. No more wallowing in what you, what we think that you've done and caused to us. But let us take our authority and walk as children of God, as sons and daughters. Yes. Yes, Lord. We give ourselves to you, Lord. Anything in us that displeases you, anything in us that is not of you, we ask you to remove it. Yes, Jesus. We give it to you right now in the name of Jesus. Yes, we ask Jesus. you to move in this place, move in our lives, and open our hearts to receive your word. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. Now I want you just to lift your hands up and just say, Lord, fill me. Just fill me. Just fill me, Jesus. Worship him. Worship him today. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. You're in this place to change our hearts, to change our lives today. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord, we pray. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, sing that. Sing that. I give myself away. So you can use me and give myself away. Make that your prayer this morning. Make it your prayer this morning. And give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself I give myself away so you 
just worship him come on just worship him give him honor give him praise today hallelujah Lord hallelujah Lord we worship you Lord we worship you Lord hallelujah Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe this morning can be a defining moment in your life. For some of you, it already is. And it already has been, but it can be a defining moment in your life. The Apostle Paul, when he spoke to us here in Galatians, he says, my body bears the marks of the Lord. There's a whole lot in that scripture. But let me ask you a question. Does your body bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ today? Are you his and nobody else's? Are you His? Not just 50% or 75%, but 100% are you His? Because He's a jealous God. He wants all of you. He don't want just part of you. He wants all of you. Lord, define us today that if we're not 100% in, then help us get there. Help us get there. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Thank you so much, worship team. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Defined. When you think about that word, every, really every one of us is defined by something. Every company even is defined by its product when you think about that. 
When you think about White Castle, it's defined by its sliders, little burgers. I don't know if you ever eat at a White Castle or not, if you even care for White Castle. Chick-fil-A is defined by chicken sandwiches and some good chicken sandwiches. Walmart is defined by its rollback prices everywhere and every day. Apple is defined by its graphic design abilities and their computers. McDonald's is defined by the Golden Arches and the Big Mac. You go to McDonald's. The Cheesecake Factory, of course, is defined by its cheesecake. Everything is defined by something. Matter of fact, even people are defined by what they do or what they say. Donald Trump was defined by you're fired at one time. Maybe other things now, but at one time he was defined by you're fired. Billy Graham was defined by his integrity in every area of his life. Mother Teresa was defined by her giving herself, giving her life to the lepers of India. Mel Gibson is defined by his movie, The Passion of Christ. People still talk about that. Michael Jordan is defined by him being a tremendous basketball player and also Nike tennis shoes. Everyone is defined by something. Matter of fact, when you go to the scriptures, even people in the Bible were defined by what they said or how they lived. Adam and Eve were defined by eating the forbidden fruit. David was defined by being a man after God's own heart. Rebecca was defined as one of the most beautiful women of the Bible. Paul is defined by as the person who started the church and wrote most of the New Testament. And Jesus himself is even defined as being the Savior of the world. So what does it mean then to be defined? When you look in Webster's Dictionary, defined just simply means to set forth the meaning of. Or to clarify. To set forth the meaning of what? Well, really, this morning we're talking about our life. To set forth the meaning of our life. You are defined, you sitting here today, are you defined by what you say and what you do? Your actions define who you are. Many of you remember the movie Batman Begins, and you remember maybe at the end of that movie, Batman has this statement, and he says this. He said, what's underneath doesn't really matter. It's, who you, it's what you do that defines who you are. It's what you do that defines who you are. So then how are you defined? What would your friends say about you? What would your friends say uh, that defines you? What would your parents say defines you? If you could think of one word, just think about it for who you are. If you could think of one word that defines you, what would that word be? Think about it. What would that one word be about defining you? Now, think about your neighbor or your spouse. Isn't it interesting that we can come up with our, our spouse and our neighbor's response quicker than we can ourselves? because we don't see ourselves like everybody else sees ourselves, right? So what would you say about the person that you're standing, sitting beside? How, what would you say in one word of, of how that defines that person, either sitting to the left or either to the right of you? Are they, are they different? Do others see what you see? I want to share with you a few things this morning that I feel like that things that we can look at, especially as we begin this new school year, and we can look at it from a, from a personal standpoint of, of the beginning of the church year and just who we are as God's people. There's, there's two or three things, that, and there may be others, but these two or three things we want to, we want to talk about this morning is areas of, of what defines us. The number one thing is this. It's the crowd around you. 
that will help define you. The crowd around you, I want you to listen to me, a student. And mom and dad, you listen to me well, but listen to me, student. Who do you surround yourself with? I mean, I know who we surround ourselves with on church on Sunday mornings. We come and we get with God's people, but that's not what I'm talking about. All throughout the week, who, who do you surround yourself with? Who are your closest friends? Whether it's school or whether it's work, who do you hang with, in other words? Because in some ways, you are defined by those who you hang out with. I mean, if you hang out with good people, probably nine times out of ten, you're going to begin to act like them, and you're going to be considered by others to be good. If you hang out around bad people, you'll probably begin nine times out of ten to, to act like them, and you'll probably be considered as a bad person. So be careful who you allow in your circle of influence. Whether you like it or not, there's people in your life that influence you. You may not think that they do, but they do. There'll be people that you associate with and people that you hang around with, that crowd that you hang around with, that will, that you associate with, that will influence you. A life principle is simply like this. Friends many times are like elevators. They'll take you up and some will take you down. One or two ways. And so you've got to be careful who you hang with. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, it says this, Be not deceived. Evil companionships corrupt good morals. Be not deceived. Evil companionships corrupt good morals. The Bible tells us that we as Christians are to be salt and light, right? We're to be salt and light. Salt, as we know it, is a seasoning that influences other things that we eat. It is an influence that improves the flavor and it adds to the taste of what we're eating. How many enjoys a little salt every now and then on your food? It just enhances the flavor. It's not typical for somebody to pick up the salt shaker and pour the salt in your mouth and start eating that salt to learn to appreciate that salt because you probably won't appreciate the salt by itself. But you put it with some food. You put it with some purple whole peas. You put it on some, some cornbread, and well, maybe not cornbread, but some meatloaf and, and the greens and other things like that. And I'm making you hungry right now. And it enhances the flavor. It enhances, and you learn to appreciate the salt. We understand what salt is. But light is something that we use to see other things that are around us. It is an influence that improves our visibility as we look at things in the dark. It's not typical for somebody just to, to stare at a light source at like the sun or one of these bright lights up here to appreciate the light. You can learn to appreciate the light without staring into it. We learn to appreciate the sun without staring into the sun. Matter of fact, they say you're not supposed to stare into the sun. It'll do some damage to your eyes with the ultraviolet rays and all of those things. And so we don't, we don't stare into it to learn to appreciate, but that's what a light source is. These things are influences for the purpose of flavoring or illuminating something other than itself. Well, when you look at that in the light of the Christian, Christians are like salt and light, and in that they ought to have an influence on others around them. They ought to have an influence on others around them. But if our influence, if your influence and my influence is not being used for good, then we are like salt that the Bible says who has lost its savor. We've lost our effectiveness, in other words. We've lost of what God has called every one of us to do. And you say, Pastor, God's not called me to do anything. Oh, yes, he has. 
He's called you to be salt and light. If you don't know anything else that God has got you doing, you can be salt and light in this day and time. Amen. He's called us to be salt and light. One definition reads this. It's the power or capacity, talking about influence. It's the power or capacity of causing an effect of indirect or intangible ways. Influence, influence. Another definition says this. To affect or alter by indirect or intangible means. Ways and means. And so the Christian influence would therefore be to positively affect or alter somebody or something through the way that you and I live our lives every day. When you come to church, you may lift up holy hands. When you come to church, you may scream out hallelujah. When you come to church, you may cry a few tears every now and then. When you come to church, you may lift two hands in worship to the Lord. But what do we do outside of church? Are we influencing those around us? Are we influencing our peers that we work with? The students that we go to school with? Those young people that we teach every day? Are we influencing them by the things that we are and the things that we say, either an indirect or an intangible means? Through the words that we speak or actions that we do to indirectly cause another to choose that which is right. And so it's very important to understand that the crowd that we surround ourselves with can be a huge influencer and a defining moment in our lives. Amen. Are we going to go with the rest of the crowd? Are we going to stand up firm and say, I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? And as I told you last week, there ain't nothing or nobody that's ever going to change my thought and ever going to change my mind. I'm focused. I know in whom I believe. I know in whom I trust. I know in whom I put my, my faith, and that is Jesus. Christ it doesn't matter what the world said it doesn't matter what government said it doesn't matter what presidents say or what our senators say today I choose to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and that's just it amen so who are we hanging around the other thing I found out that changes us or influences us at times is this circumstances circumstances that surround us at times will alter who we are will define who we are I mean, when you think about it, every one of us go through stuff, right? Every one of us go through junk in our life. Every one of us face problems, and we face those troubling moments. It's those moments that, if we're not careful, that'll help shape us and define us. Listen to me, students, all through, the, through school, whether it's through primary or grade school or middle school or high school or college or whatever the case may be, there'll be things, def, def, defining moments in your life. As a matter of fact, we have several of our folks that's away at Fayetteville and other colleges today that's dropped off their sons and their daughters in college, which is a huge defining moment in their life because you may not understand this, what I'm fixing to say, but you would be surprised and totally blown away by things that's being taught today in our secular colleges today. You'd be a surprise if I would share some of the things that's being taught and given as the truth today. Because if you go to a secular college today, depending on what teacher that you get, and you stand on your faith, and you stand on the word of God, you'll be shunned, and you'll be laughed out of the classroom. Because they say there is no God. And that's just a minor thing. That's just a minor thing. But what defines us? Circumstances. All of these things. 
Paul was was defined by the circumstances that surrounded him. So defined that he wrote, the scars that I have, the scars in my body belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was forever marked by people because of his decision to follow Christ. Matter of fact, we look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. The Bible says, are they ministers of Christ? Paul said, I speak as a fool. I am more in laborers, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day, a night, and a day I have been in the deep. And on and on we could go. Paul's body was marked by the service that he gave to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying this morning that you've got to be like Paul and you've got to get shipwrecked and, and go hungry and go naked and go get beaten and all those kind of things. That's not what I'm dealing with. I want us to understand really what defines you and I as God's people because a lot of times, listen, I, I don't want to step on any toes this morning, but, uh, but, but, but Sister Michelle could sing the wrong song and get on your nerves with us today. The preacher could step on your toes and you get mad at him today. Hello? You say, Pastor, that don't happen. It happens every Sunday. Every Sunday it does. And I'm not just talking about here. Churches are split. People will leave God. They'll leave the church because of getting hurt in the church. I'm not saying hurt doesn't happen in the church. But we've got to wake up and understand the fact. Paul said, I'm persuaded to believe there's nothing that's going to separate me. There's nothing that's going to separate me from the love of Christ. Sin whatever you want to sin, but there's nothing that's going to separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Is the circumstances in my life going to define who I am as a God person? Or am I still going to stand flat-footed, Bridget, and say, though God slay me, yet I'm going to trust him? Amen. Job said it. Job said it. Paul said, I was all kind of ways. I've got marks in my body. Situations that I face, it made him stronger in his faith and wiser in his actions. But here's the thing that I've come to understand, and you know this as well. What you face in life is either going to make you or break you. Right? The things that, the things that you face in life is either going to make you or break you. The decision is yours. And so the circumstances that surround us, the crowds that we allow around us to influence us, they will help shape and define who we are. The third thing is this, it's the character within you. Who are you? I mean, I know what I see on Sunday morning. You come in with a smile on your face. You're all decked out. Matter of fact, I wore a tie this morning. I can't tell you how many times somebody asked me, what's wrong, Pastor? Is anything happening special today? Did somebody die? No, I just got up and decided to wear a tie. No biggie, right? Next, it looks nice, thank you. Next week I'll have jeans on. You won't think that probably. <laughs> what defines us? The character within you. First Chronicles 29 and 17 says, God is pleased with integrity. God is pleased with integrity. All of us have character within us. Some is good and some not so good. Always, you got to remember that God is happy when you are who you say that you are. Everybody knows a fake. Is that all right? Everybody understands if you're true or not. 
Everybody understands that actions speak louder than words. You may say this, but if your actions don't line up with it, what is this worth? It's just words. Idle words doesn't mean anything. My actions has got to line up with who I am, with what I say. I've got to do what I say, amen. And so all of us have character within us. Whether we like it or not, our character, or not your character is shaped by these two things. The crowd that surrounds you, the circumstances that surround you. And in order for every one of us to have a Christ-like character, we must hang with those who hang out with God, amen. And endure the circumstances that, that, that surround you. And I believe this morning that the character within in you is determined by the Christ that's involved with you and the Christ that's over you and the Christ that's in charge of you and the Christ that you listen to this morning and the Christ that you get up with and the Christ that you go to bed with and the Christ whenever problem comes there you are there he is and the Christ whenever the happy times and the joyful times come there he still is in the midst as one songwriter said our general overseer brother Tim Hill he said he's still in the fire amen and if I'm going through a fire God's still there. If I'm out of the fire, he's still there. If I'm going through hardships, God's still there. If my family's all fragmented, still God is there. Amen. He's still God. So it's the character within you. Character within you. So what is that talking about, Pastor? Christian character is the product of the Holy Spirit. It's a product of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who changes the believer's heart from what used to be a stone-hearted rebellion, if you will, and an unbelief to a heart that's warm, to a heart that has faith, to a heart that's loving, to a, to a heart that just appreciates the things of God. It's the Spirit of God dwelling in the believer's heart that produces a love for God and others as well as a desire to deny sin and self in order to please God. Now there's a big one right there. Some of y'all may have missed that one. It's the love of God that, that'll help you deny what? Self. Boy, sometimes there's things I really, 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 really want. Hello? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And sometimes, Brother Joe, I've got to deny self in order that God can have enough room to come in to do what he wants to do. We have to deny self in order to please God. It's the Holy Spirit that produces the fruits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and long-suffering and self-control as it tells us in Galatians. This fruit of the Spirit is what forms the foundation of true Christian character. It's because Christian character is the result of the Spirit's work. It is forbidden for you and I to boast of, of we're doing this thing all by ourselves. It's forbidden really for you and I to think that we're anything. It's forbidden really for you and I to understand God, it ain't nothing about you. It's all I've done by myself. Let me just give you a Greek word for that. That's phooey. <laughs> You're crazy to think that. Because it ain't by myself that I'm here today. But it's by the mercy and grace of God. It's by His Spirit that I'm able to stand before you this morning. It's by His Spirit that you're able to be in the, His presence today. Amen. It's through the mercy and the grace of God that any one of us are here today because of God. You know it as well as I know. But God, if He didn't show up in your life, you wouldn't be here. Hello. But God, if he didn't show up in your life, you wouldn't have a life today to live. 
but God. If God didn't show up in your life, some of you would have been taken out years ago. But because of, but God showed up. Because that God showed up on the scene. Because God had interest in your life and my life, we are able to be here today. Amen. Amen. So we're not to boast of our own righteousness, which, which really doesn't exist, but we're to boast of the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which we've received through the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And having said that, we are called then. Everybody say, I'm called. We are called to walk in the Spirit. We are called to walk in the Spirit and not quench Him. Not quench Him. Although it's the grace of God that produces those good works in us, we are called to work with Him and not against the Spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. The Bible says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. Amen. So my question to you today is this, is Christ everything to you? Now think about that question. Is Christ everything to you? I've been asking that really a lot over the last few weeks. Is Christ everything to you? Or I'll put it this way, who is Christ to you? Is he a biblical character? Is he a movie uh, star? Is he somebody that your grandmother or grandmother told you about? Who, who is Christ to you? Because when you think about this society that we live in, we live in a congested society and many other things. Everything is congested. Our daily lives are filled with so much activity and responsibility and finishing touches. It's a wonder that you and I are able to ever really truly take in the beauty of everything around us. And he's asking us today, who am I? To you. Who am I to you? Now we know what we think of Christ, that Christ is to us. We, we understand, we, we, we have a biblical knowledge, if you will. We understand what, what we think Christ is to us. We know what he's done in our lives. But really, who is he to us personally? Who is he to us personally? The truth is many of us are riding on the interpretation of who Christ is and not on our own development and cultivating worship relationship and experience with the Lord. I, I was brought up in the church. I was laying under the church pew, Sister Raines, while my grandmother and others of the church shouted all around me, laying on a blanket. I was brought up in church. I can tell you story after story of great exploits of the Lord. I can tell you a story that my grandfather told me as a young boy, of great exploits of the Lord. Of how one day, and you've heard my dad tell this before, of how one day he was sitting in a Brush Harbor meeting. And God got to moving in that meeting. And he was sitting close to the back, and he looked up in the front. And Sister Pat, he saw a ball of fire that would bounce from one side of that Brush Harbor to the other side. Now, I've never seen that in my life. But my grandfather said he did. And he also said that everywhere that ball of fire, that's how he described it, would pass down that pew are those old benches that people would fall out under the anointing of Almighty God. I've got stories. But is my relationship based upon what I can tell you in my stories, Brother Joe, or is it something personal that I have with him? Because the good stories and the feel-good stories ain't going to get me in. 
I'm going to do it. I hear a lot of people talking about revival. I hear a lot of people talking about a move of God. And I agree with that. We need revival. And we need God to move all the time in our lives. But the more important question is God moving in your life first. Is he moving in your, is revival breaking out in your life? And so the truth is that we're riding on this interpretation. And he says to us this morning, you have become so caught up in the service of ministry many times that you have begun to disconnect from me on a personal level. Your definition of who I am is based on what I can do through you and not what I am to you. Not what I am to you. So the question, Lord, are you in this place? Are you in this place every Sunday when we get here? Are you in this place when we show up? In Mark 8, 29, Jesus poses a question to the disciples. He says, Lord, who do they say that I am? Jesus asks his disciples, who do they say that I am? And so some begin to chime in and say, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, and others say that you're Elijah, still others say you're one of the prophets. And here's the part of this scripture that I love. Jesus rephrases the question. He said, yeah, I understand that basically, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? At that point, some of the disciples had walked with Jesus and at the time of this conversion, they had just witnessed Jesus heal the blind man at Bethesda. And even in that, all that exposure and all that intimacy with Jesus, they were still saying who Jesus is according to everybody else's report and what they have seen. Think about it. So is it possible then I want you to think about this. Is it possible then to be in the midst of his presence and still not be fully able to see what his presence means? And is it possible to become disconnected even in the midst of his presence? I'm going to tell you, yeah, it is. Brother Roger, the disciples was with him. They listened to him. They saw the things that he did. They were, a matter of fact, on some of those miracles, they were even a part of those miracles. They were part of it. They were there. But even now, still that question, someone said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. They, there's relating all this thing on the, on the testimony of what others said. Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up and responded and said, Lord, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. So what is that telling us today? Jesus teaches in this passage how, how there are at least two ways that, that you and I is going to be exposed to view him in your walk with him. And you have to be careful not to become disconnected with him in 2018 because of all the congestion that's around us today. Jesus does not need to become a soundbite to you. He does not need to be a passive reference to you. If Jesus for you is a description of some church service or what you do in church, then you're not where you need to be in your relationship with him. I believe Sister Michelle alluded to that earlier today. In the prayer 
God, uh, just me coming to church, is my, it, that doesn't help my relationship. I mean, it helps, but you understand what I'm saying. Just, just me hearing a good song doesn't really settle the deal, Brother Joe, of who I am in him. Just because we have a great prayer service doesn't necessarily mean that I got a ticket to heaven. I got to have a relationship. And I, I guess probably more than anything over these last several months that the Lord has been dealing with me about, Bridget, is about our relationship, who we are with him, who we are without him and with him. And am I the person, when you see me on Sunday morning, Am I that same person on Monday? Am I that same person on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? When I'm out in my shorts and my old t-shirt and I've got sweat all over me and I'm cutting grass, am I still got what I need in here? <laughs> Hallelujah. When I'm in front of that class and I'm doing my best to teach them the ABCs or math and science and English, am I still that same person that I am on Sunday mornings? Can I carry what I've got here to the classroom? Am I sitting around my peers and all of those kind of things? You see, to have Christ, you and I, we ought to be exhilarating in our peace. We ought to be excited about who we are in Him. Amen. Nobody should have to stand up in front of us and say, clap your hands unto the Lord, amen. We're just going to do it because we know who he is. Nobody should have to stand up in front of us and say, lift your hands and lift your voice unto the Lord and give praise and give honor and give glory unto him. No, because I know that he is God. I know that he is my creator. I know where I come from. I know where I am today and I know where I'm going. And therefore, I'm going to give him glory and I'm going to give him praise and I'm going to give him honor for who he is, amen. Hallelujah. 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 Many of you remember when you first got saved. Let me just recall your attention back there. Many of you remember when you first got saved and how it felt in your life for the first time, that love that was in your life for the first time. You spent all of your time with God. You cultivated that relationship with God. If somebody asked you then who is Christ to you, you would have a long response on what he means to you and what he done for you. Something happened along the way though, I'm afraid, in our service to the Lord where we forgot that we must worship God in spirit and in truth. We forgot that we were supposed to worship God in the good times and the bad times. We forgot that we were supposed to worship God when things was going well and things wasn't going so well. We forgot that we had to worship God when I had money in the bank and when I didn't have a cent to call my home. We forgot somewhere along the way that God is still God and he always will be God. Hallelujah. 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 We got to cultivate a working relationship with the Lord. Intimacy. Intimacy with Christ. Intimacy with Christ has to be first and foremost in your life. Karen's not here this morning. She's at home with her mom. She's probably listening to me online, but she's not here, and so she gets a little embarrassed when I talk about stuff like this. And so she's not here, so I can talk about it. You've heard me say this before, intimacy. I'm married 
Says Sue been married for 33 years. There are still moments in my life, and I don't want to make none of you sick today. I'm just being honest with you. I want, I want to draw you a picture of, of what we're talking about here. There's still moments, Brother Joe, I enjoy intimate times with my wife. I want to hold her. I want her to hold me. I want to hold her hand. I want to embrace her, Sister Carol. When nobody else is around, I don't, I don't want you to be around when I'm in that, in that frame of mind. You probably don't want to be there either. That's all right. But I want to embrace her. Right? For me, now I'm not, I'm not saying this about you, you guys and your marriages. I, I hope it's this way, but but for me, Derek, I, the longer we go, Karen and I, in our relationship, it gets better. It gets sweeter. <laughs> Matter of fact, the intimate times we have now are better than when we first got married. Now, some of y'all will understand what I'm talking about. You've been married for a while. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You bond more. There's, there's something there that wasn't there when you first got married because you were learning one another. You were trying to figure things out. We pretty much got things figured out now. And so we don't have to worry about that. We don't, we don't have to stress out with that. Back then I had hair. Now I don't. But she don't stress out about it. Back then I had a six pack. Now I got a one pack. But she don't stress out about it. There's just some things that used to matter, Sister Jeanette, back then that didn't mean a hill of beans. But now, something that's so wonderful and so precious. And I value the time that we have with one another. Just value that. Jesus says, I want to be intimate with you. In other words, I want to spend some time with you. I want you to be my child. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. I want us to walk hand in hand with one another. I, I want my life in you. I want that to define who you are in Christ. So how can I truly have faith in him if, if I really don't know who he is? I got to know who he is. I want to come to remind you this morning that having a relationship with Christ makes your faith walk a lot easier. It does. Makes your faith walk a lot easier. You've got to always remember and know that your relationship with Christ is not a fashion show. It's not a fashion show. It's not a program. It's not a form. It's not a formality. It's a working relationship that requires attention and passion. Is Christ everything to you? What defines you today? What defines you today? What defines you today? It's the crowd around you. It's the circumstances that surround you. It's the character that's over you and within you. And it's the Christ that's over you this morning. If you're struggling with one of these areas, then my suggestion to you is commit it to the Lord this year. And ask God to assist you in trusting Him more than you ever have before in your life. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Very quickly, right before we have prayer for our students today. I want to ask you a question. Do you know him? Do you know him in the full pardon of your sins? Do you know him like you know yourself? 
Is he Lord over your life? Does he define who you are? Does he define who you are? Or is he just somebody that you're accustomed to listening to because of all the testimonies and the services and all the things that you've been associated with over your life? Who is he today? Who is he today? Who is he today in you? If you'd be honest with yourself, if you'd be honest with me while nobody is looking around, while nobody is looking around, I want to ask you, this balcony on this main floor, you say, Pastor, I know Jesus, but I think I know him based upon mama and daddy. and I think I know him based upon my grandmother and my grandfather and stories and things that I've heard, but I really do want a personal relationship with him. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand, put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. I want a personal relationship. I, I, I don't want to know him based upon mama and daddy. I don't want to know him based upon a story that I heard somebody say, but I want to know him for myself. And I understand in order to do that, I've got to become more intimate with him. I've got to get to know him and spend some time with him. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to pray with me. Is that you? Just lift your hands and put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. 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 Father, in the name of Jesus right now, you saw every hand that was lifted up today. You know every life. You know who we are today, Lord. We make and fake some folk, but we can't fake you. We may stand before some and they have this idea of who they think we are, but God, we can't stand before you and be that way. Isaiah stood before you one day, Lord, and he said, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm unclean. In other words, Isaiah saw himself or who he really was when he stood before you. Your light, God, penetrates the darkness in our life. Your light will penetrate in those deep corners where we think nobody else knows. But you know, Lord, you know. And I'm praying that you help us today. Move us up a little closer. Move us up a little closer. Change us, define us, take off the rough edges. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want our students, if they're out in the hallway, I want them to come down, if you will. Go ahead, guys, and open up those back doors and let our students come down. If you're a student here in the sanctuary, I'm asking, I want to ask all of you to come up while everybody else stands, if you will, all over the house. I want to ask all of our students, all of our teachers, all of our faculty, if you work in a, in a school system, um, even in a daycare system, you're teaching, you're, you're administrating, you're looking. I want you to come forward today and get as close as you can uh, this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn and face this way, guys. There you go. I want to thank the teachers for bringing all the students over from 
children's church today, from their classes today. We also have several uh, college kids that already has left, and uh, they've already moved into their dorms. We want to lift them up. We want to remember them today as well. If you work, like I said, if you work in a school system, no matter if you do maintenance, custodial, whatever, then I want you to come as well today. Amen. I have a lot of respect for you guys teaching every day that you what you do is go in is very beneficial very helpful because what you're doing whether you believe it or not you're actually forming lives you by your actions and by your words you're shaping those young people that you go Christy's job that she does is a man I have a lot of respect for you and what you do but it's so valuable in, in those those young people's lives it really is because they have somebody they can look to that cares about them. have somebody that they look to that, that is beneficial to them. They don't have that. Everybody, everybody, you can tell, you know it already. They don't have all of that at home. They don't have that support. They don't have the support by a lot of you teachers that go in day in and day out. And I know it's hard. I know it's tough. Sometimes they get on your nerves. And sometimes kids act this way one day and act this way. And a lot of times you'll make the, the same statement I made. Well, is it a full moon? Was it a full moon last night or... Or whatever, you know, what's, what's causing these kids to act this way. But what you do is so, so valuable to our students, shaping us. I remember when I was going to school, I was in fifth grade. Ashton, there was this little, there was an older lady that was a teacher, and her name was Miss Coker. I don't remember nothing she taught me. To be honest, I don't, have, I don't remember nothing she taught me, but this is what I remember about her. And I don't know, probably this is, you don't do this today at all, I'm sure, because of our system and our culture today. But back then, Miss Coker would invite a bunch of kids to her house. And she would have a barbecue. She'd cook us hamburgers. and We'd play games. And I remember getting so attached to her. And, and we had this connection, I guess, relationship. That if I got in trouble in class, and I know this was bad, but let me just confess a little. If I got in trouble in class, and it was my fault. I'd done something worthy of a, a paddling. We paddled back then. I don't know if they still do that today. We paddled back then. She would take me out of the class and take her paddle. We would step right outside the door. I would stand over here. She would be right with a hand inside the door. She would take her paddle and she would hit the wall because she didn't want to hit me because she liked me. Now, I appreciated that. But I, it, I wasn't, I, you know, I learned some things and I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't a bad guy, but she would paddle me and I would be out there going, Oh! And then I would walk back in the class. I'd be doing this because of our relationship. But I remembered her care for me. That's what I remember. I remember how much she, she loved me. She didn't know me. She wasn't kin to me, but she, she loved me. I knew that. Nobody had to tell me that. You teachers, you're a lot like the same way. You have that impact on students. And you, you, you shape and you mold these young lives that's even standing before me today, who knows what God has in store for these guys. I mean, if you do that on Sunday mornings when you come and, and, and you, you, you're in class with them and you teach them 
on Sunday mornings in children's church and in youth services and all of those things, you still impact the lives of, of these students. Give you another story I had. I had a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, and, and you've heard this story before. Her name was Bonnie Pittman. I was just a little guy. I don't remember nothing Bonnie taught me either. But I remember she loved me, Brother Keith. Every Sunday, I would leave Mom and Dad, and I would go to her and sit in her lap during service, and she would hold me. There was a time I fell asleep in Bonnie Pittman's lap, and I used the bathroom on her. Didn't mean to. I was asleep, and I TT'd all over her. But this is what I remember. I remember, Christy, at the end of service, I woke up, and we had this long hallway in this church in South Mississippi, and I watched her walk with this big, round, wet spot on the back of her skirt. I was privileged a few years ago to help preach her funeral. Because her husband said, Danny, I want you to come. She loved you like a son. You can't buy that kind of stuff. That's what I remember. And so if they don't remember what you teach them, then they'll remember your love for them. They'll remember your care and you watching out over after them. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you right now on behalf of all of our students behalf of all of our teachers, our faculty, custodians and workers in the school, whatever they do. We pray a prayer of blessing over them today. I pray, God, that you bless them as they begin their new year tomorrow. Lord, help this year be a year different than any other year. Help it be successful for them. Lord, help their learning grow with intensity throughout this year. Help them to worship you more than they ever have. Help these students, oh God, be defined in who they are in that classroom. Let them not be ashamed of the gospel. Let these teachers not be ashamed of who they are in Christ. Help them to stand firm in their walk and in their faith with you today, oh God. The Lord, in our nation today, I read over the last few days, especially in Chicago area, where multiple, multiple lives have been shot and killed. Crime is on the increase. School sometime, Lord, has sometimes there's no peace there. But God, I'm praying today that you'd give safety, that you'd give peace, not only in our community, but all over this world, oh God as students begin their walk back to school, their drive back to school, wherever they're going today, God, give them peace. Lord, touch our educators today. I know sometimes our government sometimes puts holds on our hands of what we can say and what we can't say, but Lord, help us to always stand firm with you to speak your name. God, I am still thankful today that in this community, Mississippi County, we still have some schools that still trust in you. We still have principals and superintendents, oh God, that still proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We still have schools today, God, that allow me to go in the classroom and speak of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Everybody can't say that, but at least, God, still today, we can say that, amen. Hallelujah. 
And I pray that you bless them for it. I pray, God, that you give them strength. Give them understanding in the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus. Touch our superintendents. Give them wisdom today, oh God. Touch our principals today. Give them wisdom today, oh God. Touch our leaders in our school and our classes. Give them wisdom today, oh God. Touch our college kids that's gone back to school already. If they're listening in today, God, give them wisdom today in every decision that they make. And Lord, we'll be so quick to give you thanks. And we'll be so quick to give you praise. And we'll be so quick, God, to say thank you above everything else. We give you honor and we give you glory and we give you praise today. And let the church say amen. Amen and amen and amen. Give these students a big hand clap. Now give our teachers and all our faculty up here a big hand clap. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much today. It was such a joy to have you in service today. If you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. We hope to see you Wednesday night. But God bless you today. Have a great day tomorrow in school. Amen.